Hi, I'm Naomi Castro, and this is The Castro Pod. This season, I talk with college presidents and nonprofit leaders doing deep, intense work. I want to learn how they do it. Do what? It. The thing. The big stuff. The stuff that makes life better for the people they serve. Like, how do we measure the impact of a nonprofit? How do we balance autonomy and unity of vision? Last summer, I sat down with one of my favorite people, Alicia Ariaga. I've known Alicia for years, but I didn't know that her parents were real-life heroes of the civil rights movement. I also didn't know her favorite candy, but I do now. When we talked, she'd just been named executive director of Ed Tress West. So, you know, we had our own little celebration. Check it out. Congratulations on your new position. Uh, Well-deserved. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Can you just tell us uh, how your journey began and how you ended up here? Sure. So, um, super excited, Naomi, (laughs) to be doing this with you. And um, you're right. My journey started actually um, many, many years ago when I was growing up in Mississippi, actually. And my parents were both very involved in the civil rights movement in Mississippi. And one day when I was 10 years old, um, I walked into my living room and I was super excited because Yolanda King was sitting there. And for me, that was the closest thing I'd ever seen to a celebrity because both my parents were so active in their communities and um, had done so much civil rights work that um, I just, I knew it was a really big deal to have her there. Now, she was there because she and my mom went to college together, actually, but I knew that the civil rights that I enjoyed as a kid were only recently hard won from the blood, sweat, and tears of families like hers, of people like my parents. So my dad was one of the first um, folks to integrate the University of Mississippi Law School, and my mom sued the city where she grew up when I, before I was born, well before I was born, and that lawsuit resulted in some of the anti-discrimination laws that are still there today. And so I knew even as a kid that um, I wasn't just here to take up space, my parents would say that a lot, you know, but that I was here to serve and serve the community around me. And so um, I like to say I'm a advocate by blood and a researcher by training. And so I um, had a career trajectory through several different things, but really focused on research. And all of that research focused on how do we use data and put data in the hands of communities to make decisions and changes that they want to see. And I feel like Ed Trust West is a place that really marries that together. I'm able to use my you know, PhD research background, but also my advocacy background and um, be the think tank for the people that we try to be providing data to really change policy in the state of California. So, Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And okay. And I'm now I'm thinking I met your mom. Yeah. Your mom yes. is like this cute little adorable <laughs> lady. And now I'm like, yes. wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She packs a powerful, she's a powerhouse. She yeah. really is. And, and, and snappy dresser and adorable and poised and just a lovely, lovely yeah. lady. Um, so another thing that I learned while I was doing this um, deep dive into leadership is effective leaders are always learning. And so I'm wondering, is there a, a particular book, a podcast, a, an issue that you're just learning about right now and that you're kind of excited to be in that learning mode? Uh, well, I would just totally agree that 
constantly always trying to learn what are the newest, um, especially ways to think about, I think for me, two things, um, management and strong supervision and really being a coach um, to staff, you know, rather than these more kind of hierarchical models. And so I always think actually it's really important, and I've been very lucky, especially in these last few years, to work closely with a coach at different periods, to just have that outside perspective and someone to really push my thinking and to suggest great things to read, practices to try. Right now I'm reading this book, Supervision Matters, and it's great. It's just like 100 bite-sized ideas to really think about how to improve supervisory relationships, how to really be in that coaching relationship with folks and help them really perform at their best and give them the space to do that. Um, The other thing I think is really important is being able to measure outcomes. And that's something that I'm always trying to think about and um, look at folks who are doing that work. So we just did some work with ORS Impact, who does a lot of work around measuring the impact of advocacy which, you know, is always a hard thing to do, um, but I think really important because if we aren't, at the end of the day, changing outcomes for young people in the state, then we, we're not doing our jobs. We're not meeting our call for why we all sit here in this building. And so I think being able to say, you know, set a North Star goal and then be able to track our progress toward it and make sure that we're actually making a difference is super important, too, in leadership. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I know when I, when I used to run... Uh, kind of small grant programs at a community college, I would tell my staff, uh, we need to do something sustainable here. And, you know, if the grant was for $20,000 and it was only serving, you know, 20 students, Mm -hmm. our impact needs to be greater than if we just gave each one of those students $1,000. Yeah. Because otherwise we're wasting money. Mm Mm-hmm. I totally agree, Naomi. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> How, another question, and, and I think this is probably the main question that made me think of reaching out to my network of mm-hmm. wonderful leaders um, that I've been really wrestling with is our work is very mission-driven. Mm-hmm. And our the folks that work with us on our teams are mission-driven. And so usually that means they need a lot of autonomy. Mm-hmm. They need space to do what they're good at. Yeah. At the same time, we've got an organization that has uh, an approach, mm-hmm. um, a philosophy, uh, you know, like a way of interacting with partners, mm-hmm. um, with, yeah, with the communities that we serve. So how do you, how do you strike that balance between having like this unified maybe approach mm-hmm. and, uh, what like, I guess in the business world, they'd call it brand, mm-hmm. um, and still, uh, having folks have that autonomy and that, um, you know, self-motivation. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that's where it's really important. And one of the things that I've been focusing a lot on these first eight weeks in the role is um, starting the process at least of getting even more clear about our vision and what it is that, what our strategic plan includes. So really what we do and what we don't. Because I think when everybody is super aligned around, hey, these are the four or five buckets of things that we work on and these are the objectives we're trying to achieve, then you can give people a lot of space and autonomy about how you get there. But when vision and goals are sometimes a little bit more ambiguous, 
I feel like that's where, you know, more micromanagement can come in because it's, people can be unclear. Like, where is it we're trying to go? I thought we were going east, but everybody's going west, <laughs> you know, or I thought that if we met the objective in this way, we were achieving success. So I think like coming to some shared understanding in a very tight and cohesive way about what it is you're trying to achieve, who you're trying to achieve it for, what success looks like, being super clear about that up front is super important. So actually one of the things that we're doing in about four weeks now is um, is one of the initial pieces of the me taking over leadership of the team. We're all gonna go as a whole team, all 22 of us to Alabama to the Equal Justice Institute and spent about three days there, um, both touring the Equal Justice Institute, seeing the lynching memorial, and while we're there, are going to be doing some work regrounding, rerouting in our um, mission, vision, values. And I think that's going to be really important because that that experience, one, is going to, I think, serve as a tool both to just reemphasize why it is we do the work that we do and also to have um, some space apart and outside of our usual environment to really get super clear and grounded in why we're doing this work, why our mission is what it is, and then use that process as a jumping off point actually for our strategic planning and thinking about our objectives moving forward. And so I'm hopeful that um, you know that process can do some of what I'm talking about in terms of get super clear on our goals and objectives and then give people the space and the autonomy to, to get there and to do that. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Although in the summer, really? I no, know. no, I'm teasing. I'm no, teasing. the teams are the same thing. They're like, July, it's super hot. <laughs> You're from Mississippi. Exactly. I'm from Louisiana. Exactly. Alabama's right. And today is just as hot as it is there here. Not not as humid though. <laughs> right. This is true. But getting but for California, this yes, is humid. Exactly. <laughs> um and but you know, this does actually bring up an, another question too. We usually uh, form questions about making tough decisions in terms of compromising and being creative, but sometimes you can't. Sometimes there's parameters. Yeah. So um, if you had to choose between two things, mm -hmm. you can't smoosh them together or make something new, right. and they're both really good, mm -hmm. how do you make that decision? Or equally so, if you have to choose something and you're not happy with either of them, mm -hmm. And then you're kind of like, oh, I don't like this one. I don't like that one. But you, you're forced because of whatever parameters. You mm -hmm. have to make that. How do you make those hard decisions? Yeah, I mean, it actually makes me think about we are going to have some of those decision points, I think, in the fall, kind of when we start to do our strategic plan. I mean, we've worked on some things historically for a really long time. We've been around next year for 20 years. And we're going to be moving into a year of celebrating our 20 year anniversary. You know, and in my mind, that's actually the point to pick up and say, kind of go up to 30,000 feet and say, Hey, you know, where is the world right now? Where can we really make change and where can we likely have a little bit less impact? And they're going to have to make some decisions about what we do and what we don't do. And those won't be easy decisions to make because, you know, there may be some people externally who are wedded to us having done that for a long time or even internally, that same thing. But in my mind, the way that we make those decisions is we have a limited amount of resources, both in people, funding and other things. And so where can we actually move the needle? And that's where we have to make the hard calls. Now, that doesn't make it any easier to kind of have some of those conversations. But if it's about impact, like at the end of the day, that's how 
at least to the extent of knowledge that we have about where we can make impact at the time, that's how I go about trying to make those types of decisions. Okay, that sounds good. When I have to make decisions like that, I'm going to call you up. <laughs> we'll talk it through. <laughs> That's great. So um, I've got a, a couple of uh, questions here that are a little bit more random, but they're all, they all relate back to, to leadership. Okay. Um, is there, is there, you mentioned um, Supervision Matters. Mm-hmm. Is there a book in your life in general, not necessarily mm-hmm. recently, that you find yourself giving to people mm-hmm. over and over? Mm-hmm. You know, there, this book that I read recently, someone else gave it to me, and I've recommended it many times in the last few months. And it's called Leadership and Self-Deception. It's a classic book. I mean, it, it was written, um, I mean, not that long ago, but not recently either. And it's just a power, I mean, it's a quick read, but it's a powerful story of how sometimes we can create our own narratives about people, about their situations, and how that can creep into our leadership style. And, and um, hence the title, Self-Deception, we deceive ourselves about kind of what's actually going on and our role in it. Um, And the book is really about just like owning your own stuff, owning when you make a mistake, um, being clear and transparent with other people about when they do those things too. And um, it tells it through uh, kind of these fictional characters, but also these points along the way. And I think it's one of the most powerful leadership books that I've read. Okay. I've got two so far now. Mm -hmm. I got a long list. (laughs) Thank you for that. Thank you. So do you have any morning or even Mm -hmm. evening routines like that you just try to do to help Mm -hmm. you start the day? Yes. So I would say the biggest morning routine I have is exercise. So at least five or six mornings a week, um, I, I have, and it's been great. We've created kind of a little cohort um, of some of myself and some of my neighbors to go and work out, whether it's running or um, doing weightlifting at like this local gym, but getting up around 5.15, 5 o'clock and doing that first thing just helps clear my mind and calm my spirit for the rest of the day. So I think that, and then I do like some period of prayer and meditation and those two things combined, I can tell the difference in the days and maybe those one or two days when I'm not uh, exercising and the, the other ones when I am, but it really helps to center me for the rest of the day. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I know when my son was younger, um, I used to walk him to school. His school was so close mm-hmm. and it was, I think it was both the exercising of just taking a brisk walk. Yeah as well as just having this wonderful conversation with this young person, yeah. you know, who's like eight from eight to, I don't mm-hmm. know, 11. Yeah. And it was so, uh, it really put the world in perspective. Yes. Like yeah. that budget mm-hmm. or that project, that exactly. scope of work you're writing up. It's not as important as this little kid. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a couple of rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. Um, So don't think too much about it, but we can go into anyone you want. (laughs) All right. Um, Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? With cream, no sugar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Beatles or Rolling Stones? Mm. Beatles. (laughs) Favorite flavor of ice cream? Mm. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What's on your playlist right now? Or is there a song you have on repeat? Oh, what is, we're listening to a lot of Sam Cooke right now. 
My son loves singing it. I grew up singing uh, his greatest hits album, and now my son has a karaoke machine, and he's <laughs> singing many of the songs. So, Twisting the Night Away, um, What a Wonderful World This Could Be, those are often on the the rotation in my house right That now. is so positive. <laughs> I, I'm just imagining your, your little boy singing <laughs> Twisting the Night Away. What's the best $100 you ever spent? 100 or less. Hmm. Best 100. You know, I was, um, for many years, when I lived on the East Coast, I worked really closely with the student there. And we met, um, there was a college access program, and I was a mentor in the program. And um, she and I became, you know, really close. And we, you know, did homework, went to events together, and her mom passed away Um And I became close with her family in that process. And we kept in touch the whole time I was on the East Coast. And then I moved out here. And um, I was back on the East Coast a couple of years ago. And I was close to Philly where she's now living. And I just rented a car for the day and drove down to have lunch with her. And that investment in that rental car and that time with her was a pretty powerful thing to see. Like the great work she's doing now. She's working with young people um, for the city of Philadelphia and just like thriving. Um, and it was just so powerful to see her success and, you know, how she's just grown into this amazing young woman. So I would say that $80 or whatever it was for that rental car for the day was like a pretty great investment. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Thank you for that. Last question. Although you, you can have a chance to say anything Mm -hmm. else you want. Um, what's your guilty pleasure? Mm, Skittles and jelly beans. (laughs) (laughs) they are so my guilty pleasure yeah fantastic i'm a sugar person (laughs) me too but i don't work out five days a week so i need to watch it (laughs) anything else any other pearls of wisdom any Mm -hmm. any um things that your coach uh Mm -hmm. has dropped that you're like oh i gotta share this let's see i mean oh yeah i guess the biggest thing that's been just super helpful you know, to know but hear over and over again is like, don't be afraid to make a change. Don't be afraid to, even though something's been done one way for a long time, to say, hey, let's just, let's experiment with doing that differently. I think that's really powerful and that, um, I mean, that's where real change and outcomes can come from is when we think differently or try and think out of the box and push ourselves to do that. So, Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. And one of my guilty pleasures is coming up with excuses like this to come see you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, I love that guilty pleasure. Yeah. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks, Naomi. Okay, so yeah, we giggled a lot. Alicia is a totally joyful person to be around. If you want to find out more about the books she mentioned, and so far I'm like halfway through Supervision Matters, or if you want to take a peep at her organization, Ed Trust West, listen to a Sam Cooke song, it's all in the show notes. You can also check out the transcripts at castropod.com. Castropod.com.